When you use something for the purpose for which it was intended, it works well. When you use something for a purpose for which it was not intended, it creates chaos. And I have just explained for you some of what's going on in your life and in your marriage. And so if you want it to work well, if you want your life to work well, we must use our lives for the purpose for which they were intended. Today, we answer the question, why am I here? Welcome to Resonate with Trent Griffith, Senior Pastor of Harvest Bible Chapel in Granger, Indiana. I'm Aaron Paulus. Have you ever thought about the reason for your existence? That's not something most of us lose a lot of sleep over, but you gotta admit, why am I here is a pretty important question to think about. Pastor Trent has been looking at what the Bible has to say about some foundational questions in this series, Think, Christianity in High Definition. So why don't you grab a Bible and turn to Psalm 8 as we listen to part one of a message about the doctrine of man. A few weeks ago, we began to think about uh, the doctrines, the major mega themes throughout Scripture. And we learned that the goal of this series is not just to think, but thinking is the means to an end. It's not just that we want to think, we want to know God and we want to love God, we want to obey God and we want to enjoy God. And if you're not enjoying God, obeying God, knowing God, it's because you're not thinking about God. So we are thinking about God. And the first thing that we looked at was the doctrine of revelation. Do you remember that? One of the doctrines was the authority of the Bible, which means that we have given the Bible the right to determine how we are to behave and what we are to believe. And so we're bringing our thinking under the thinking of God. And we looked at the doctrine of God. A.W. Tozer said that uh, the most important thing about us is how we would answer the question, what comes to mind when you think about God? And we learned it's so important what we think because uh, Daniel chapter 11 verse 32 tells us that the people who know their God will stand firm and take action. The reason why so many in the church are not standing firm and taking action is because they really don't know much about God. So we are thinking about God, which brings us to the doctrine today, which is the doctrine of man. Quite honestly, this may be the most practical doctrine we look at because the, the truth of the matter is some of you are really not all that interested in God. You don't really have any interest in thinking about God. But the reality is every person in this room spends a great deal of time thinking about themselves. So what do you think about yourself? And so we're going to answer some questions today. You may not consciously ask these questions, but deep down in your soul, you ask these questions. You ask questions like, where did I come from? Why am I here? Does anything that I do even really matter? And where am I going? Who am I? All of these thoughts invade our thinking. Well, we're going to provide some answers for those here today in just a moment. Uh, we're going to read uh, uh, some of the answers to those questions. But uh, first of all, I let's think about this question, where did I come from? Okay? Because the reality is it comes down to two options. Either I was, either man was made in the image of God... Or the only other option is, is that God was made in the imagination of man. So we're going to go back to the first few pages of Scripture, and we're going to try to answer that question based on God's thinking in answer to that question. So meet me in Genesis chapter 1, verse 26. It says, Then God said, Let us... 
All right, now wait, 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 wait. Who said? God said. And what's that plural pronoun doing in there in reference to God? Your brain ought to smoke a little bit at this point, okay? A plural pronoun in reference to God. So just underline that. We'll get to it in a minute. But God said, let us make man in... There's another plural pronoun. Like, what in the world is going on? Underline that. Let us make man in our... What's the next word? Image. Underline that. And there's a synonym for it. After our likeness. Let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over the livestock and and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. Verse 27. So God created man in his own... What's that word? Image. Are you picking up a theme? Image. Underline the word image. In the image of God, he created him male and female. He created them. So let's define, let's give a high definition definition to the doctrine of man. We're going to say it this way. The doctrine of man states that as God's highest creation, man was made to mirror God's image. So let's think about this word image here for a minute. Um, a couple of weeks ago, Micah had a birthday. And our, our staff loves Micah. Do you love Micah? We all love Micah. And we wanted to do something special for Micah. So Pastor Matt found this website where you could order a very unique gift, a one-of-a-kind gift. Micah, would you bring that up here for a second? And you can come up here too. Um, it's a bobblehead. You like that? Now, now... Listen, if you had never met Micah, you didn't know anything about Micah, and yet I showed you this, would you have a pretty good understanding of what Micah's like? I mean, you would, you would know that he plays a guitar and he's got majestic hair. <laughs> and you don't, know, you don't know everything about Micah, but it gives you a better understanding of Micah, right? And, you know, I mean, just, just kind of look. They, they kind of do your bobblehead thing. Yeah, see? See, they do it together there. All right, so, so this, is, this is an image of Micah, right? This is not Micah. <laughs> this is Micah. But if we didn't know Micah, we could know something about Micah by looking at his image. Thank you very much. Now, here's the thing. God says in Genesis chapter 1 that he's created man in his image. You know what God is saying to us? God has created a bunch of bobbleheads of himself. Look at your husband. Doesn't he look like a bobblehead of God? That's, that, that's, that is God's image that you are looking at. And so when you look at man, God was very purposeful in what he was doing when he created man. You have to understand something. Everything that has been created has a purpose. You understand that? Everything, that chair you're sitting in, the carpet, the lights, everything, air, it all has purpose. And man has a purpose. Now, when you use something for its intended purpose, it works well. But when you use something for a purpose for which it was not intended, it creates chaos. All right, so let's say that you got up this morning and you needed to brush your teeth. But the, the tube was empty and flat, right? And so you had to go and search for something like toothpaste, but all you could find was peanut butter. 
All right, so you put the peanut butter on the tooth and you begin, you begin to brush your teeth with peanut butter. Is that going to work well for you? No, because that was not the intended purpose of peanut butter. All right. Let's say you're out of deodorant and you find some peanut butter and you just kind of start smearing it around under there. Is that going to work real well? No, because that's not the intended purpose. How about shampoo? You're out of shampoo. Peanut butter? No. Everything has a purpose. When you use something for the purpose for which it was intended, it works well. When you use something for a purpose for which it was not intended, it creates chaos. And I have just explained for you some of what's going on in your life and in your marriage. You are using your mind or your body or your marriage for something God didn't intend it for. And it's creating chaos. And so if you want it to work well, if you want your life to work well, we must use our lives for the purpose for which they were intended. And God's purpose for every person was this. We answer the question, why am I here? Here's the answer. The singular purpose of my existence is to mirror the image of God. So let's talk about this, this term, mirror. Here's another question we want to ask. What's wrong with me? You don't need to answer that about me, but answer that about yourself, okay? Because the truth of the matter is all of us go through seasons when we feel purposeless and depressed, and it's like, why am I here, and does anything matter, and, and there's so much conflict and chaos going on. I, just, I don't even know if I want to be here. I don't even think I like myself, and I think I hate myself, and I think I'm going to commit suicide. All right, and, and there we go. And so we start spinning out of control. And it comes down to whether or not you see yourself as an empty cup or as a broken mirror. Am I an empty cup that needs to be filled? Or am I a broken mirror that needs to be fixed? You see, even well-meaning Christians think, well, you know, we just kind of come into the world just kind of neutral. And uh, it depends on what you pour in. If you pour in bad stuff, you end up being a bad person. If you pour in good stuff, you end up being a good, good person. And there's a little truth to that, that we should fill our lives with truth. But the, the answer to our existential questions is not based on how full we can get with the right stuff. It is understanding I'm not an empty cup that needs to be filled. I am rather a broken mirror that needs to be fixed. Some of you right now are getting some um, light in your eyes, aren't you? Now, where is that light coming from? Is it coming from the mirror? Where's it coming from? It's coming from right there. And it's just bouncing off this shiny object and it is reflecting that light to you. Now, last night, um, it, was, it was cloudy and rainy, and so we didn't get to see a phenomenon that happens three times a year, and that's called a supermoon. You know what a supermoon is? That's when the orbit of the moon is the closest to the earth, and it appears 15% brighter and 30% closer to the earth, and, and, it, it, and bigger. And, and, and so the, here's the thing. God created you to be a supermoon. The moon has no light of its own. There is really no such thing as moonlight. It's just sunlight bouncing off a rock in the universe, and it reflects down here on the world. So you and I are like a moon. We're like a mirror. And the problem with all of us is that we are broken. God created us to reflect him to the world. 
But the problem is, is in our brokenness, we don't do a very good job of it. And so when we're not loving and we're not kind and we're not holy and we're not pure, the people that are looking at our lives like our children and our employees and the people in our neighborhoods, and we try to tell them about God and they look at our lives like, I don't really believe in God. Why not? Because I don't see it in your life. Because you're broken. And so we need to see ourselves. The purpose of our existence is to mirror God's image. But we don't do it really well because we need to be fixed. So... What's wrong with me? I'm a broken mirror. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to talk about four ways this morning that we can mirror the image of God. And the first way is this. I mirror God's image when I worship God as creator. I mirror God's image when I worship God as creator. Now, the first thing we need to understand, if we're going to have an accurate understanding of who we are, is that I have a soul that can connect with God in worship. I have a soul that can connect with God in worship. Here's a little commentary in Genesis chapter 2 on the second page of your Bible about what God wrote in Genesis chapter 1. It says, the Lord God formed the man of dust from the ground And he breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and the man became a living creature. You see, atheists do not believe that we have a soul. They just believe we're a physical body. We're just material, and we're DNA, and we're some atoms that are put together, and some protons and neutrons and electrons spinning around, and and all those cognitive thoughts you have that's just the result of brain activity that's synapses firing in certain ways and and it's all just physical what God's word teaches about man is that we have a body and a soul notice what it says here the Lord God formed Adam's body it had nostrils that body had nostrils But it wasn't until God breathed into him that he became a living creature. So we are more than just a body. We are a body and a soul. Now, theologians have some interesting ways of of kind of talking about man, and we need to kind of understand this because I bet everybody in here has heard a philosophy called trichotomy. And so what it would say is a trichotomist would believe that as man, in essence, we are body, soul, and spirit. And Another way to look at it is an approach called dichotomy. Trichotomy, three. Dichotomy, two. And what's very clear in Scripture is that we are more than just a physical being. We are body and soul. We are material and we are immaterial. We are visible and we are invisible. We are physical and we are spiritual. There is an outer self and there is an inner self. We find that in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 16. Though our outer self is wasting away, our inner self is being renewed day by day. Now, how many of you have looked at some old Facebook pictures or some old albums and and realized you are wasting away? Your your outer person, your outer self is wasting away. And it's really true, isn't it? I mean, um, a couple of weeks ago, our family went to uh, camp and it's something we've done for 20 straight years and and it's kind of part of our vacation and, and yet it's kind of vacation for the family it's work for me because I had to preach eight times so uh, anyway there, there's a, always a particular event that happens uh, on a Tuesday night at the camp and it's called smuggler night it's the night that all the teenagers stay out really late and and run around like crazed animals and and they play kind of capture the flag type games and it's also the time that the same adults go to bed. And so Andrea and I went to bed and about midnight, my cell phone rang and it's Brooke, my oldest daughter. And she said, dad, you got to come quick because Zach, 
second child, had been running full speed and ran right into an 11-year-old girl and his front tooth hit her forehead perfectly so that his front tooth went horizontal back in his mouth. And that's what I thought too. And uh, I'm like, his body is wasting away at this point. And so I got to be the strong dad. And so I run out there and try to find Zach. And sure enough, by the time I find him, there's blood everywhere and his lip is all swollen and his tooth is back there. like, Hey, Dad, what's up? You know, and he's got a lisp. Anyway, so I'm thinking, do we, do we rush him to the emergency room? Fortunately, one of the other campers was a dentist, and so we went and knocked on his door at 1230 at night, bang, 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 and he kind of opened up the door, and he walked out, and he had his boxer shirt, shorts on. And so we got Brooke's cell phone and had the iPhone flashlight, and we're all looking in his mouth, you know. And, and while he's trying to figure out what to do, I'm, like, starting to get a little dizzy, and I'm feeling kind of queasy, like I'm going to throw up, and... I knew it wasn't the blood because I used to work in a funeral home and that stuff just doesn't phase me. I'm I, Blood and guts, it's no problem for me. But I'd been on some medication. I'm like, am I getting some dizzy from that? I, everything started spinning. And so pretty soon I'm like, I got to... I got to lay down. So I just kind of laid down in the middle of the road there. And, and, and Brooke is like watching the Griffith men drop like flies in front of her eyes, you know. And so the body is wasting away. I mean, it's just everything's falling apart at that point. And the, the dentist, he said, you know, I wouldn't take him to the emergency room. Just, just kind of protect him overnight and then take him to your dentist in the morning. And so poor Zach, he's the only kid in the family that wasn't going to have to have braces. So now he has braces right across there, and they push the tooth back up. He had a root canal, broke it right in half up there. So uh, all of that. It turns out I just had some weird virus, and I was fine the next day. But here's the thing. If you do not understand that you are more than a body, then when your body starts wasting away, your inner self will start wasting away too. <laughs> You'll get depressed and defeated, and it's like I can't go on. And, and if you have a fear of dying, and it, part of my job is to teach you how to die well, and that is to have a very strong, renewed inner self while your outer self is wasting away. And that's because the mirror is broken and the curse has infected all of this. And so we have to understand what is coming. And so when I mirror God's image, I can worship God with my inner self no matter what's happening to my outer self. So we're more than just a body. Another thing we need to realize is this. I have incredible value, significance, and worth because I am created in the image of God. Now, how many of you, well, I won't ask, but if you've been coming to Harvest more than about a year, at some point, you have heard this preacher look at you and say, you're nothing but a dirty, rotten sinner. How many of you have heard me tell you that? All right, good. And if you're new to Harvest, you're nothing but a dirty, rotten sinner. Now, does the Bible teach that? Absolutely it does. Jesus told us that if we want to be his disciples, then we have to deny ourselves, take up our cross, and follow him. Because there's really nothing good in me. It's corrupted by sin. I'm nothing but a broken mirror. I'm a dirty, rotten sinner. And we need to hear that because we have a tendency to elevate ourselves and think that we're better than what we are. But I want you to see what Psalm 8 has to say about our value, our significance, and our worth. So turn back there and notice how it starts out in worship. He says, oh, Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. You have set your glory above the heavens. Now, what is motivating his worship at this point? 
He's thinking. And what is he thinking about? Notice in verse 2. Out of the mouth of babes and infants, you have established strength because of your foes to steal the enemy and the avenger. Look, look at what he's saying. The frailty, the weakest human being has the ability to motivate worship of a majestic God. Look at verse 3. When I look at the heavens, what are you doing when you're looking at the heavens? You're thinking about how small you are in this universe and how big this universe is. So he says, when I look at your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars which you have set in place, it motivates him to ask a question. In verse 4, here's the question. What is man? That's the question we're asking this morning and trying to answer. But notice, what is man that you would be mindful of him and the son of man that you would care for him? You know what he's thinking? God, you're so majestic. You're so high. You're so awesome. And God, I am so low and I am just a dirty, rotten sinner. And yet somehow that doesn't seem to quite bother you enough. You still want me in your kingdom. You still have me on your mind. You're mindful, which means God's mind is full of you. And not only is he mindful of you, but he cares for you. He knows you. He created you. And he created you for a purpose. And it is to mirror his image. Now notice what he says in verse 5. Yet you have made him a little lower than the heavenly beings. The ESV translation says, if you look in the footnote, I think it says, you've made him a little lower than God. And he goes on to say, you have put all yet you have crowned him with glory and honor. Do you see the, the value and the worth that God places on man that he has made? Crowns him with glory and honor. And then it goes on and says in verse 6, You have given him dominion over the works of your hands. You have put all things under his feet. Every pathological error that we have as human beings is the result of thinking too high of ourselves or too low. What does this verse teach us? That man, properly understood, is lower than God. And man, properly understood, is higher than all other creation. And when we understand our place, as a matter of fact, the word human actually comes from the meaning to know your place. We are not God and we are not animals. Therefore, quit acting like God and quit acting like an animal. Don't be a slave to your appetites. You can control yourself. You can control your temper, you can control your anger, and you can control your sexuality. You are not an animal, nor are you God. You do not have universal control over all that goes on. So quit freaking out every time something that happens that's outside of your control. You are not God. And when we don't understand our place, we begin to have really weird thoughts about who we are. I have incredible value, significance, and worth, and yet I'm a dirty, rotten sinner. 
right there in my place. Now, to understand that, I've kind of charted it up here. Uh, there's two appropriate ways to think of ourselves, and that's why I'm going to keep calling you a dirty, rotten sinner because I am a dirty, rotten sinner, and I need to preach this to myself every day because of my proud heart wants to think I'm doing better. I'm, I'm, I'm getting it right. God sure is impressed with me today. No, I still am, am as in much need of grace as I have ever been. And I need him to save me today as much as he saved me, past tense. When I first came to Christ, he has to continue to save me. And I continually need his grace because I'm a dirty, rotten sinner. And I have to continue to deny myself of the things that are not like God. Now, the balance of that, which I would like to correct a little bit today because I can kind of beat you up a little bit too much and I beat myself up a little too much. And, and Andrew reminds me, you need to tell them they're, they're made in the image of God too. You know, it's like sometimes we just kind of crawl out of here on our hands and knees and we just feel worthless. And the Bible actually says that in Romans chapter. Anyway, I won't go there. Um, but, but we need to know this too. There is an appropriate self-affirmation. I also need to remind myself and tell myself, I am made in the image of God which means it is wrong for me to hate myself. It is wrong for me to hurt myself. It is wrong for me to cut myself. It is wrong for me to kill myself. The devil comes to kill, steal, and destroy. That's what the devil, devil, devil wants to get either one of these out of balance. And either one is fine with him as long as he messes up your thoughts. Think properly about the doctrine of man. Now, I drew a line on here because you want to stay above the line. If you go below the line, you are entering the danger zone of wrong thinking about who you are. Self-esteem. Now, we hear a lot about self-esteem, and sometimes we'll hear about a child that has poor self-esteem and low self-esteem, and we think that the answer to low self-esteem is high self-esteem. So we say, little Johnny, I'm sorry you struck out, and I'm sorry that your team lost, but we have a trophy for you. All right, and, and we don't want you to feel bad about yourself. We want to help you with your self-esteem. We want you to have high self-esteem, all right? You're not a loser, Johnny. You are a winner, even though it was 24 to nothing in the T-ball game, okay? So that, this, is, this is what happens when we don't think right about the doctrine of man. And so, listen, the answer to low self-esteem is not high self-esteem. The answer to low self-esteem is no self-esteem, okay? Quit thinking about yourself for crying out loud. Think about God. Think about somebody else that will help you. Uh, you because humility is not, is not thinking less of yourself. Humility is thinking of yourself less. It's not about you. And so this kind of digresses. You go from self-esteem to self-absorption, then to self-love, and then you're worshiping yourself. Now you're committing the, the greatest evil is idolatry. You're worshiping somebody other than God, namely yourself. And so that's how critical it is that we get the balance right. I am a dirty, rotten sinner, and yet I am made in the image of God. So he might not be the world's greatest self-esteem guru, but Pastor Trent Griffiths certainly tells it like it is. At the end of the day, isn't that what we really need anyway? We've been listening to Resonate with Trent Griffith, Senior Pastor of Harvest Bible Chapel in Granger, Indiana. Next week, we'll continue with part two of this message on the doctrine of man from our series, Think, Christianity in High Definition. 
I hope you can join us then. And speaking of joining us, we'd love to have you for one of our weekly worship services at Harvest Granger. Join us Saturdays at 5 p.m. or Sundays at 9 a.m. or 11 a.m. on Hickory Road, just north of Cleveland Road in Granger, Indiana. For more information, visit harvestgranger.org. I'm Aaron Paulus. Thanks for listening, and may God's Word resonate in your heart this week. Resonate with Trent Griffith is a ministry of Harvest Bible Chapel, Granger.